get us off of this train. Now there's a fucking message that pops up. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I got it. I want I don't want to leave the meeting. All right, I'm gonna play us in. Go play us in. Of the United States. Preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. We dare not forget today that we are the heirs of that first revolution. The world is very different now, for man holds in his mortal hands the power to abolish all forms of human poverty and all forms of human life. So let us begin anew, remembering on both sides that stability is not a sign of weakness and sincerity is always subject to proof. Let us never negotiate out of fear but let us never fear to negotiate let both sides explore what problems unite us instead of belaboring those problems which divide us aaron welcome to the tavern this day only four days before national kraken day october 11th national kraken day jake i'm so excited call back to the hour and 15 minute conversation we had off podcast Yes, it had yes. nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Little inside joke. Glad you all enjoyed it. So celebrate National Kraken Day. You know what? I'm going to do a callback to our old podcast, Elon Musk. If you're out there, break out that Kraken in Texas and I don't know, build some Teslas. We thought you were coming here. We're very disappointed. Yeah. I mean, Lee here now before the Texas power grid goes down because your batteries will not sustain your factory. But Rochester power does not go down nearly as often or as badly <laughs> as Texas state power does. I, I like I like the caveat of nearly as often. Nearly as I mean, we have power outages. I had one the other day. It lasted for three hours in like 97% humidity on one of the hot days. It kind of I mean, sucked. I mean, RG&E is just one of the most efficient companies out there, so I don't, I don't understand how that could have happened. I don't know. I don't know. It's almost like they got a monopoly and they don't really give a shit. Well, let's get on topic. Yes. And let's start with a drink. What are we Sternak drinking, Jake? Pumpkin ale. Ooh. Brewed with pumpkin and spices with natural flavors added. Nice. You want to hear my crazy story of how I got it? Of course. Well, we opened this. Yes. A little ASMR for you. Oh, yeah. It smells so good. Ooh. It is probably one of my favorite pumpkin beers. Oh, it's, that is not bad at all. It's smooth. It's not overly pumpkin-y. It's just got a little pumpkin underneath it. It's a good beer. Not too hoppy. <sighs> so tell me your story. Good aftertaste. All right, you ready for this one? Yeah. I went to Tops and they had it right in a beer section uh, in a whole display about pumpkin. Yeah, I mean, we picked a very New York beer here. We picked Saranac. Yeah. Although pumpkin. I will say they were it. Uh, it appeared, I guess there was a little bit of a story as I tried to be a smart ass. Uh, it appeared they were out of the six pack and the only way I was going to be able to do this was to buy a 24 pack of of the, just the pumpkin ale and i was debating because i was like i don't know if i'm gonna like this that it's much not a bad beer you could you could drink 24 of these i could have and then i moved one of the other 75 pumpkin beer six packs out of the way and this was sitting behind it and i was like oh, okay 
you think Empire has a pumpkin grape beer? Uh, <laughs> I mean, they do. They, I'm sure they do. I mean, oh, do we want to put ourselves through that? Probably. It is what? the season of pumpkin spice. We should hit up some Rochester breweries for the next few episodes. Like out in Victor, there's a couple. There's a bunch in downtown now. Yeah. So. There's a new there's a new brewery pub that opened up uh, in the village of Victor. There's a meadery in downtown Rochester now. Ooh, we yes. need to go there. Yes, we need to go and get some growlers. We need to go together. Honey wine. We need okay. to drink like Vikings. Yes. Smash our cups after each drink. We're going to have to pick one of our movies to uh, to drink that, too. The politics of Thor <laughs> Ragnarok. So in the feudal system, <laughs> Braveheart, we could do Braveheart to meet, I feel like. Okay. Okay. I don't know. Maybe we need to get to the point where we're doing this podcast in person and then we can do like live reacts of watching movies and stuff. Yeah. But then the problem is one of us needs to drive home. We'll see if I move next to your parents, then you can just crash at your parents' place. Oh, that's kind of true <laughs> but let's get back on topic we are continuing our road to the constitution series uh and the ones we picked out this time are federalist uh 14 objections to the proposed constitution from the extent of territory answered and anti-federalist uh patrick henry june 5th 1788 yes and in um true nature to this so far uh man i find i'm agreeing with the anti-federalist way more (laughs) than the federalist papers oh it's so weird i will say this one thing i noticed from going between these two The Federalist Papers are, let me start this way. The Anti-Federalists are arguing with facts and logic, and the Anti-Federalists are arguing with emotion and rhetoric and hyperbole, and like, if you don't do this, who knows what'll happen? And the Anti-Federalists are like, you left out a word. You left out a word. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, so let, <laughs> let's... Shall we dive right in? Let's dive right in. So... What was the, that word, Jake, that I'm referring to? Uh, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Sorry, I, I, as, I, as, as our listeners may or may not know, Jake does all the research and actually, you know, has his thoughts lined out. I'm a hot mess that sometimes does research, sometimes doesn't, and stumbles his way through. Jake will keep us on track and on topic and will make for a much more enjoyable listening experience to our three listeners. I will just keep you entertained while drinking. Yeah, so let's start off with the Federalist again, just like we did last time. To the people of the state of New York. Again with New York. Well, you know that the Federalist Papers were written to New York because it was like one of the biggest states that didn't want to ratify the Constitution. I was not aware of that fact. Yeah, so they had, I want to say, eight or nine of the 13 states lined (laughs) up to ratify the Constitution. And technically, 
the Constitution was ratified at that point because they wrote in that um, two-thirds clause thing where to ratify an amendment, it only takes two-thirds of the ruling body to ratify it. So they considered the Constitution ratified, but then said, well, if the other few states don't hop on, it's going to be really hard to govern unless we get all 13 states to actually right and we accidentally left this little clause in there that they could secede and we don't want to piss them off so it'd be better for unification and unanimous then yeah so there was a big thing on trying to get new york to ratify it that's why it starts out that way got it all right so a couple highlights um I found it very interesting in both of these kind of getting an idea of where the founders thought government would be and also why the Bill of Rights was so important. So one of my first quotes that I got in The Federalist is uh, people meet and exercise government in person in a republic. They assemble and administer it by their representatives and agents. A democracy consequently will be confined to a small spot and a republic may be extended over a large region so this is the federalist explaining why we're doing a republic over a democracy democracy doesn't work on large scale we're going to do a republic you vote for the person to represent you they represent you in democratic fashion right I mean, this is a key argument we still hear today. We're not a democracy. We're a republic, blah, 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 all those arguments. Yep. There's the definition right Right. from the Federalist. So one of the uh, interesting things I saw there. The the big, well, one of the big uh, takeaways that... uh, I just want to talk about on a general level of this Federalist paper versus the last one we read. So this one, I believe, was written by Madison. And the first one we read was written by... Um, I think it was Hamilton. Was Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Madison is a lot more composed. Oh, yeah. It's not just a rambling. He yeah. And it, it doesn't turn into he's... an angry rant at the end, just devolving into screaming. Uh, it stays flowery and very... Um, virginian all the way through (laughs) yeah yeah uh the next quote i have is you know he talks about democracies of ancient greece and modern (coughs) italy and under the confusion of name it's been an easy task to transfer to a republic uh he's just really trying to explain hey this isn't a democracy this is a republic right don't confuse the names but again it's very flowery and it's it's more emotionally driven you know bringing bringing in those examples of you know compare comparing it to you know uh the ancient civilizations and you know these large platitudes and um i mean just just the way you know he's writing this you know a few observations on the subject will be more proper like just the 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 basically no real context just reading through it's like just a spew of flowery bullshit sounds good sounds good 
but I mean, I mean, such a fallacy has been the less perceived the error which limits the Republican government. I mean, just, just constant. Yeah, I I think I you know after this one I think I have a nice flowery quote <laughs> to bring up to speed. Um, but the I think I'm not going to read this whole quote, but he does make an argument about the distance. So there is a I guess. You know, looking at both of these, people were arguing about the distance that Congress people would have to travel. And I mean, we going back to it, our original episodes and reading through the Constitution, Congress wasn't really meant to be in session as often as it is today. It was really thought that you would be at your home district and then you would travel to session for, you know, whatever it needed. And at the time, you know, the 1700s you had what horse and buggy yeah foot Foot. uh boat if you could make it out to a body of water and travel that by that body of water and people i think were making the argument that congress wouldn't be able to meet it was too far to travel because i think at this point either philadelphia or new york was still on the docket to be the capital of the united states so he makes a huge argument that, hey, we've met like a ton of times with no issue over the past 13 years. So right. why is this an issue now? I think that's a valid argument. Yeah. If people were saying, no, it's too far. He's like, why hasn't it been too far up till now? Why is it suddenly too far? So right. I think that's a good one. All right flowery as flowery can be in the first place it is to be remembered that the general government is not to be charged with the whole power of making and administering laws its jurisdiction is limited to certain enumerated objects which concern all the members of the republic but which are not to be attained by the separate provisions of any I find this interesting because what he's throwing out in the federal's paper is not where our federal government is today. No. When is the last time that we thought, hey, the general government's not to be charged with the whole power of making administering laws? Uh, what? <laughs> really? Have you right. seen the federal government today? Well, I find it interesting because the our first episode of this, you know, we were basically when we were reading, you know, the first Federalist paper and the first Anti-Federalist paper and basically looking back, we're like, holy shit, everything that they were scared about in the Anti-Federalist basically came true. Um, I find it interesting that in this one, the Federalist paper is basically like, hey, no, this is this is. This, you know, this is what this republic that we're setting up is going to be limited, limited, limited it's just going to be like this. And it's like, mm, no, you went. No, you didn't do that. Oh, he continues. The oh, yeah. Subord- subordinate governments, which can extend their care to all other objects, which will be separately provided for, will retain their due authority and activity. Sure, yeah. sure they will. Yeah. 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 You know how, like, 
I, I mean, I know I keep going back to this example, but how the drinking age is 18 because the federal government totally didn't find a loophole by removing funding for roads to increase mm-hmm. the drinking age or how like, you know, we're finally reaching a pay- place where states can legalize marijuana and um, hallucinogenics without the federal government stepping in, even though it's technically federally illegal and at any time the federal government could go fuck over those states yeah no 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 we we would never do that jake it says very clearly right here that we would never do that because that's not the purpose of our republic oh okay okay cool good good um i was worried that that didn't happen and the federal government became a monster that isn't operable that we now hear so much about Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema because they're the two senators that can swing a 50-50 divided house or senate one way or the other no no Jake it very it very clearly states that that their power is not wholly making and administering all the laws it's it's just you know merely just you know it's very limited government very limited power and you know congressmen are spending most of their time in their home districts you know definitely not becoming rich from donors and overseas corporations and buying congressmen that make what two hundred thousand a year that are somehow multi-billionaires at this point i mean there's there's no way like someone like the speaker of the house would have you know a twenty thousand dollar fridge let alone like two of them stocked with you know twenty dollar per pint ice cream you know this that would never happen it clearly states that would never happen jake there there's no way that like the former head of the senate is potentially married to someone who got entangled by working in the president's government as the head of transportation and her father may or may not have had boats full of cocaine because he was a drug smuggler that that didn't happen right no jake there is no way that the two-party system could be used to enslave the entire american people by making them think that it's two competing sides when reality the entire federal government is laughing at individual people who decide to pick a color um, just so they can fight each other. So the federal government can just get bigger and make more money. Like that would never, that would never happen. But there's like, okay. So like, I'm, I'm glad with that, but there's like no way a democratic Senator from West Virginia could potentially support legislation that would increase the price of prescription drugs because his daughter may be the head of a company that makes drugs like insulin, right? Like that, that wouldn't happen, right? No, that, that would, that would never happen. I'm so so you can rest these federalist paper. I mean, the, the federalist, so much, the federalist, so much very, better. I mean, with their flowerly language, which very puts me at ease and, you know, just, I mean, look, they said favorable as the view of the subject may be some observations through which will place in it in a light still more satisfactory. I mean, the right there, I mean, I, it doesn't really say anything, but it sounds beautiful. So I 100% believe in it. 
I mean, one place that they're 100% right is that the second observation to be made is that the immediate object of the federal constitution is to secure the union of 13 primitive states, which we know to be practical, 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 I cannot say that word, and to add to them practicable states as may arise in their own bosoms (laughs) or their neighborhoods. Bosoms! Or their neighborhoods, which we cannot doubt to be equally practicable. I they threw that other word. They threw that word back in there. Yeah. Okay. I was. I specifically had this line highlighted. I think this is super important. The actually the way he calls out primitive states and okay, my reading, not fully understanding seventeen hundreds flowery English. Um as may arise in their own bosoms makes me think that he saw states potentially becoming multiple states right and that or in their neighborhoods means that state territories well right. land like, masses we didn't currently control could become states right like i read this as he saw maybe new york ends up as five states you know like would have been good would have been nice do you read that the same way that he was saying, no, states might split up? Yeah, it to me, it sounds like they weren't really. Personally, I don't think at the founding of our country that they ever assumed that we would control the entire continent. No, I or at least so. from sea to shining sea. And I think they thought, look, we have this swatch. You know, we have clearly delineated lines. Spain owns this part. France owns this part. There's indigenous people we don't want to fuck with over there. And I think they they were they clearly I mean, this clearly to me says that they thought, yeah, there may be more states, but it's not like we're just going to we're going to like somehow go to 13 to 50. I mean, that would that would be ridiculous to get that big are like ones in Canada closer to Russia and ones in the middle of an ocean. Never happened. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. But it does sound like states were going to break apart. I mean, I have to assume that in the founding of the 13 colonies, that North and South Carolina at one point were was one territory yeah. and for whatever reason decided to split. So I assume that they thought that would happen more as populations in like it sounds like their thought was that a state would be determined by the the population and that yeah, as a population like grew, you would two- divide the state. So you couldn't have a state with overwhelming power majority, even though they had the House and the Senate, which would kind of balance that power. But it almost made it makes it sound like the Senate would have made more sense because states would have split up making more senators. Right. Because states, you know, I would say, you know, in today's world. Plus or minus what 50 million if we were to even out all the states they're not going to be perfectly like even in the amount of people right but if we started splitting up states like you know you talk about california splitting up into three states you talk about um new york splitting up into multiple states but whenever you hear the argument against the senate it's that why should a state like South Dakota get the same representation as New York when it's got what six times the population 
of right. South Dakota. And their response is that was the whole fucking point of the Senate. But this makes it seem like, no, that wasn't the point. The point was to kind of have some sort of equal representation, but they also believed states would split up. Right. Well, I kind of feel like the Senate. I kind of feel like their belief was you could never govern so many people effectively. So you would need to split up. Yeah. Because you know, control is finite. They didn't oh. they basically didn't take into account technology and yeah, you know, middle management. And we'll get into some of that in the anti-federalist papers and Patrick Henry. Yep. Because he covers that in his epic poem that I feel like we could do just yeah. a whole two-hour episode on. So another thing to call out, and I want to call this out because this argument keeps getting made time and time and time again that as almost every state will on one side or the other be a frontier and thus find in regards to its safety an investment to make some sacrifices for the sake of general protection oh yes give up your freedoms in the name of general protection yes the patriot act <clears throat> so much more a argument that gets brought up time and time and time again yeah i mean as much as i do not agree with the january 6th terrorist the protest items that got brought up in Congress to prevent this from happening again are these same thoughts of give up your rights for general protection. Yeah. Same arguments being made today to take away rights in the name of safety. You know why it takes two hours to get on a plane? Because you gave up your rights in the name of safety which have, and I don't know, are we really that safe? Because well, you here's the bottom three, the, the little <laughs> bottle of the soap, three ounces, the three ounces, you can't do anything with three ounces. Because the bottom line is you never give up freedoms for safety because you never get safety in return. What you get is theater and you get the illusion of safety to make you feel safe. And the government just, takes away more and more of your freedoms and then they spoon feed you bullshit so that you think the TSA has never stopped a terrorist attack. There's no terrorist. I mean, let's be honest. There are people whose job it is, is to expose how bad TSA is their job. Guns, knives, grenades make it through TSA all the time. No terrorist is going. I was going to sneak, you know, six ounces of an explosive under the plane, but I'm limited to three bottles. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you, TSA. You have thwarted me. I was going to hide it in my shoes, but I had to take off my shoes. Now you like, look at my junk in the 3D scanner thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, 
it's all it's 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 bullshit i mean most of what goes on now is bullshit if you think the government is protecting you they're not they're stripping your freedoms and then they're spoon feeding you bullshit to make you feel like you're safer and that goes for anything oh things that are going on right now you mean like how our navy could have drone striked an iraqi citizen and their family because he was totally a terrorist not working for i think it was doctors without borders but they had been surveilling him for 48 hours so they totally they they knew he actually it was a mistake we knew he was a he had bomb materials right like those were latex gloves because he was a doctor yeah yeah uh government are corrupt um and every time uh the sheeple give up some of their freedom for safety they lose their freedom and they don't get safety in return you mean it's not like a massive corporation could have a server outage the day after a whistleblower goes live on 60 minutes and another whistleblower testifies between congress throwing you know pretty much a bunch of apps into chaos and a couple foreign governments who actually only allow those apps into chaos for a few hours till a crackpot team can go manually reset these servers when it was totally not intentional for the servers to go down in the first place to delete data that could incriminate said company right like Uh, how about how well i'm gonna put on my conspiracy that real quick um and go with the fact that uh i don't I don't believe that the uh, whistleblower was an actual whistleblower. And I think it was a plant from big government types because uh, what was her recommendations after blowing the whistle on said big tech company? What was it? Oh, uh, we need more government oversight and the government should control more of the Internet. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were absolutely a whistleblower and you're just trying to protect people's safety in exchange for their freedoms. Wait, wait, wait. As much as I agree with the this people's safety thing, are you really standing with Mark Zuckerberg right now? Oh, no, I think all of that is trash. And I think all these tech companies and their billionaire and trillionaire CEOs should be, uh, you know, um, disappeared in a pig farm. Okay, okay. Just just wanted to make sure we still agree. But agreed on I'm I'm, I'm just I'm just saying once again, uh, our lovely federal government, which would never do this, never do this, uh, is participating in uh, misdirection and uh, going to trick people into uh, giving up the last. Uh, we're going to have a censored internet very soon, in the guise of mis- well, preventing misinformation and just protect. We're just trying to protect you. Jake, Aaron, hearken not to the unnatural voice, which tells you that the people of America knit together as they are by so many cords of affection can (coughs) no longer live together as members of the same family. (laughs) I agree. Fuck it. We had a good run. Oh, I... All right. Man, I just like. 
Uh, yeah, it's bad. Again, uh, again, like we should have seen this coming. Like it's been spelled out here since the very beginning. Basically, everything that we're supposed to be against. So it's not totally surprising. Yeah. I mean, so then his argument for the union is, you know, and if novelties are to be shunned, believe me, the most alarming of all novelties, the most wild of all projects, the most rash of all attempts is that rendering us into pieces in order to preserve our liberties and promote our happiness. Like, no, we need to be a union. Right. It's a lie that we can't be a union. Ugh. I mean, yeah. again, I mean, is his whole flowery thing ultimately boiled down to is, look, you're going to have to make certain sacrifices on your liberty and freedom for this to work. And you need it to work because you can't do it on your own. Yeah. I'm going to skip over the next quote I had because, like, he talks about how it should be the people, not the states of America. But I think there's a valid argument for the states of America. But we do need to talk about, uh, you know, after talking about surrendering your freedoms, he does say the rights of consciousness, trial by jury, liberty of press, and all your immunities and franchises all pretensions to human rights and privileges are rendered insecure, if not lost by this change, so loudly talked by some and inconsiderately but by others. Whoa, you're not going to lose your rights. You just have to surrender some for your protection. I So it's interesting. So I kind of read that to be that he was saying that only we can protect those rights as a federal government that left to your own devices into the states, you could lose them. Whereas only we can guarantee it through a bill of rights and, you know, enforcing it as a federal government. Valid point. Valid point. Um, so, yeah, we're starting to move into Patrick Henry which I think makes a great argument. So we're moving out of the Federalist. Any final thoughts on the Federalist before we move into Patrick Henry? Nope. Man, flowerly languages to <coughs> protect a fatal government flaw. All right. So yes, um, to my point about New York not accepting it, he does mention, it is said that eight states have adopted this plan. I declare that if it were 12 states and a half that had adopted it, I would, m with many manly firmliness and in spite of erring world, reject it. So, yeah, with eight states, they had it passed. Right. Like, they didn't need the rest. Right. But they wanted it. Right. And... Though I think he makes many great points, I think this might be his greatest argument. The Confederation, this same despised government, merits, in my opinion, the highest economum. It carried us through a long and dangerous war, 
it rendered us victorious in that bloody conflict with a powerful nation. It has secured us a territory greater than any European monarchy possesses and shall a government which has thus strong and vigorously been accused of imbecility and abandoned for want of energy. You know, as bad as I think the Articles of Confederation are, because we read them, they are... Yes, they're god-awful. They're god-awful. He's got a damn valid point there. Right. It may not be perfect, but it worked. It won a war. Yeah. It secured a territory larger than any European nation. Like, yeah, maybe they were bad. Maybe they needed improvement. But maybe scrapping them for the Constitution wasn't the correct answer either. Right. Although I will say, while I appreciate his sentiment, I do completely agree. I do completely disagree with him because the biggest, and I think we discussed this when we talked about the Articles in Confederation, the biggest problem they had was no foresight. Oh, yeah. No, I, and, I think and, they were bad government. And the one thing about the Constitution is that right or wrong, and as we read more of these, I'm thinking wrong, and this whole thing was a mistake and we should undo it. Um, it was designed to be able to grow with a growing nation and growing needs, whereas the Articles and Confederation would have eventually collapsed under themselves and probably led to some form of a civil war. Oh, wait, that still happened. Never mind. <laughs> Would have probably happened sooner and probably been more fractured. Or it would have just been an amicable parting of the ways. You know what? We tried. It doesn't work. We're going to go our own way. Yeah. Nope. Good on you. See ya. Well, um, you would have had the Confederated States of the South and the Northern Republic. I don't know. We'll have to do an episode about alternate history there. Whereas if the Articles of Confederation, the Constitution never happened in that state. Talk about what might have become. Northern Republican Canada merges into one mega nation. <laughs> Still bowing down to the Queen? Maybe. All right. Well, the language it assumes is clear, expresses, and unequivocally, but when this constitution speaks of privileges, there is an ambiguity, sir, a fatal ambiguity, an ambiguity which is very astonishing. In the clause under the consideration, there is the strangest language that I can conceive. I mean, when it says there shall not be more representatives than one for every 30,000. Now, sir, how easy it is to evade this privilege. The number shall not exceed one for every 30,000. This may be satisfied by one representative for each state. Let our numbers be ever great. This immense continent may, by this artful expression, be reduced to having 13 representatives. Uh, wow. This didn't make it into the Constitution. One representative per 30,000 people? Right. 
and it's vague enough that it didn't make it in. Right. So I wanted to do a quick fact check here. Okay. Of course, I looked this up when originally uh, we planned this, but I have since forgot this information since last week. <laughs> come up. So let, let's do some quick. Uh, so we're talking about one representative per 30,000 people, right? Right. Do you know how many people live in the state of New York? How many? 8.4 million. Okay. Just a, f- a few over that number. Do you know how many representatives the state of New York should have in the House? How many? 280. Okay. Do you know how many representatives New York State has? 26? It's like 26. You know. That would be, that'd be a lot of fucking people. You know, only 9% of what they planned. How does someone like Joe Morelli represent the what he's got all of the city plus Monroe County so almost a million people he's supposed to represent right he's only supposed to have 30,000 but that's true representative government you're talking 30, about a republic there's no way a senator or a house member or congressman can really represent a million people Right. What is it said that a person can only really know 140 people, and we're asking a House member to know 30,000 people and what they may need, but we actually have our representatives representing over a million people. Right. The House has a major flaw designed around the fact we grew so large. Right. Could you could you imagine though having so what if what's the total population of the US? Oh, I was just about to look that up. To see what the total number of okay, so representatives three, we would have in the house. 329.5 million. Mm-hmm. Sorry, listeners for math. <laughs> 10,984 representatives. Okay. 10,000. 10,000. So, so let's make it 11 because it's close enough to 11. So that would be, that would be the city of, that would be DC. Is it? You could, no, it's a lot more. It's in the millions, but you could, but think about it. You, the government could populate a small city, a small town. Committees could have subcommittees. Right. I mean, that makes much more sense for having, you know, you know, the capital being its own little district and you have enough people to sustain a district who are just supposed to be there passing through for a period of time. Hey, Paul. Yeah, Paul Ryan, you're on cafeteria duty today. Because there were 11, there should have been 11,000 representatives. Oh, could you imagine? Could you, but could you imagine 11,000 representatives and then just a hundred fucking senators? (laughs) <laughs> oh god the senate would come to hate the house oh yeah who the fuck are you i'm jim bob i represent uh my cousin's uh shack we live right outside of the district we got a couple uh we got a couple thousand over here now here's something though 
a house made of that many members would be nearly impossible to gerrymander. True. You can't gerrymander at the level of 30,000 people. No. It solves a major issue that we have today. How many, how, what is the capacity of the, of Congress right now? Like how many, how many chairs are there in that building? Cause there, there's like observation decks and stuff. Like you got, there's gotta be information. Out. Like how many people fit in that building? Cause I mean, they do joint sessions. Build a different building. I, I like, I imagine the house being its own Coliseum with seating all around with like the speaker of the house in the middle of the seating. Oh, like a pantheon, like a pantheon. And then I remember, people, people, please. Did you you, uh, watch any of the stuff in parliament when Brexit was happening? Uh, No, but I have watched parliament before. Okay. It's super entertaining. The guy who runs parliament, I don't know what his job title was. He stepped down since Brexit, but he was super interesting. Like he has the stick. Well, he's running parliament and he's like, the gentleman will be quiet. The gentleman from this side of the house. Let this gentleman speak. You shall be quiet. I mean, it would be much harder to have a two party system if you had that many congressmen. Oh, so again, no way you get problem solved. System. No, because no. I mean, I mean, that's the biggest problem with the two party system. We've talked about that before. Basically, fringe groups have to pick a side. And that's why the two sides are garbage. And that's why if you identify with, you know, one of the colors, you know, you're pretty much sacrificing part of your soul just to appease some small part of you. It's why we really need to dissolve the two party system and end up forming coalition governments like you should only represent like parties should only represent specific interests because you can't have a party with like you know 30 different interests no it doesn't work because no one's going and it's just such a small percent of the population that's going to agree with every single part of your platform that's why it that's why parliament is the way it is because you have all these different parties that have specific interests the gentleman will let the gentleman speak uh, I, I like this i think there should be eleven thousand representatives but we should still keep it at a hundred senators <laughs> well uh and then a hundred senators should get like a small like it it should it should be like this giant megalith coliseum pantheon type thing for the, the house of representatives the broom closet yeah, well pretty much like a cafeteria <laughs> like like they meet like they meet in the gymnasium and they get like folding chairs like i'm imagining okay uh like where's the senate 1970s cafeteria wood paneling walls those uncomfortable circle seats and it's got the stage because that's also where the school puts on the plays but when they do that they they move the tables out and put folding chairs and you put like uh the senate majority leader on the stage yeah and then it's like every every meeting is like so who was responsible for snacks today hmm (laughs) Hmm. We have orange slices, but there's no drinks. We would vote on legislation if the House could pass anything. Right. But there's 11,000 of them. They can't come to an agreement on anything. A mini war broke out in the Pantheon the other day. 
Gladiator uh, a third, a third, we missed it because we were in here. A third of the representatives from New York got into an argument with the. I mean, you would have states split up. I mean, that's what would happen. Oh, because yeah. if if New York actually had two hundred and whatever representatives, at some point enough of them would band together. The the ones from Western New York would be like, "Fuck the rest of the state, we're done." Guess, guess what would happen then? There'd be another two senators, and yes, we'd get more the, representation, and the system would work the way it was supposed to. Well, final idea on this is. Why was it not clearly and unequivocally expressed that there should be entitled to have one for every 30,000? This would have alleviated right. all disputes. And was this <clears throat> difficult to be done? What is the interference? When a population increases and a state shall send a representative in proportion, Congress may remand them because the right of having one for every 30,000 is not clearly expressed. Exactly. The way I'm reading this, he thought like if New York went, yeah, we're going to recognize that 30,000 rule. I'm just going to send 200 and something representatives, regardless of the Senate. Make it work. Right. I mean, I feel like a lot of this whole anti-federalist paper or which was a speech or whatever, a lot of it was him just complaining that what they're writing is ambiguous and they're not clearly defining things. Oh yeah. Like he's like my whole thing that I was alluding to when we started was he starts off basically complaining that they left out the word States and it's not, we, the people it's, we, the States, because we're not a democracy or a Republic and we should have States and it's individual States and it's States rights. And it's not about the people and you're minimizing the states. And you're just trying to create this big federal government that's going to, you know, impose taxes and but infringe they, on the rights of the states. And were, it's going to take away your freedoms. All right. I like this one. But we're told we need not fear because those in power being our representatives will not abuse the power we put in their hands. I am not well versed in history, but I submit to your recollection, 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 when liberty <coughs> has been destroyed most often by the litigiousness of people or by the tyranny of rulers. Imagine, sir, you will find the balance on the side of tyranny. Nah, people won't abuse their power. Nope, never, never. How does As lobbying work when New York State has two hundred plus? House members, who do you lobby to get your bill passed? Do you know how much you would have to spend to get half of 11,000 people to agree on some sort of lobbying? Again, the 30,000 rule fixes everything. Fixes everything. Just saying. Like, how, how do we make this happen, Jake? But don't worry. We've been, you know, and this was this was bullshit we were taught even in history class the founding fathers were good people who didn't want to be in government they felt the need to give back i call bullshit. Yes. oh of course they we all we all know hamilton power. was power hungry yeah the only person who was pretty much you know 
didn't want to be in government and was saw it as service was George Washington. Yeah. Everyone else Served, was everyone else was power hungry. Adams Adams was power hungry, but not incompetent. Yeah. And it was just like, fuck it. I lost like Jefferson was power hungry and competent. Yeah. And uh, basically fucked everything up and Aaron gave Burr us what we got now. Power hungry and tried to split the United States up to create his own country. So power hungry. Yep. Yeah. Every single <coughs> one of them seeked only one thing. The power of the dicks. <laughs> but it's like they all used like Washington as the as the, you know, um, you know, false representative. Because Washington was like this. We're all like this. We're all altruistic. We're all just want to, um, you know, give back. Yes. Yes. Of course. Of course. And, and politicians have been spreading that lie for hundreds of years. I'm just giving back while making money through insider trading. <laughs> I would love to be a congressman. I'd only get one term because I'd I'd run on all of your party's bullshit platitudes. And then I'd get in and I'd be like, all right, this is how it should be. And all the corporations would be like, oh, fuck, we got to get this guy out. And then I'd lose to uh, Marty McChicken uh, face who, uh, you know, is backed by, you know, billions of dollars of corporate money. The Tyson chicken family. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, we got to take a moment to talk about why the Second Amendment exists. Okay. Uh, have we the means of resisting disciplined armies when our defense, the militia, is put into the hands of Congress? The honorable gentleman said that the great danger would be would ensure that the convention rose without adopting the system. I ask, where is that danger? Get really into the importance of the well-regulated militia port. Right. Congress wanted control of state militias. Congress would have been tasked with arming those militias. Yeah. Without the Second Amendment, your well-regulated militia may not have rights to bear arms if you do not submit to the rules of Congress. So imagine your drinking age loophole on an even worse scale. Yeah. Um, so instead of just you don't serve get the federal government or we won't provide co- your cops with tanks to shoot your citizens. Oh, no. Where I go back to like the early days of the country where, you know, we didn't span from one side to the other. and There were territories and, you know, fighting hostile enemies, you know, you know, within our borders. Oh, yeah, you submit this to the federal government or we're just going to remove any means of you being able to defend yourself or your citizens. Have fun with that hostile force, which is something he mentions in here. Yeah. Like, oh, no. um, We're just going to call your militia up to attack your own state because. Your militia is controlled by Congress. Right. All right. I'm going to go that that was really the second amendment part. I'm going to go on. I, I, I got a ton of quotes here because he is getting to a very, in my 
opinion important point. Hence, it appears that only three-fourths of the state must ultimately agree to any amendments that may be necessary. Let us consider the consequences of this. However uncharitable it may appear, yet I must tell you, in my opinion, the most unworthy characters may get into power and prevent the introduction of the amendments. If one-third of these be unworthy men, they may prevent the application of amendments, but what is destructive and mischievous is that three-fourths of the state's legislators or state's conventions must concur the amendments when proposed. In such numerous bodies, there must necessarily be some designing bad men. To suppose that so large a number as three-fourths of the states will concur is to suppose that they will possess geniuses, intelligence, and integrity approaching to miraculous. For the four smallest states that do not uh, collectively contain one-tenth a part of the population of the United States may obstruct the most salutary and necessary amendments. Nay, in these four states, six-tenths of the people may reject these amendments and suppose that the amendment shall be opposed to amendments, which is highly probable, it is possible that three-fourths can ever agree to the same amendment. He keeps going on. Amendments, amendments, amendments. He's got right. like multiple pages on this. Oh my God, is this a valid point? How easy it is to stop government from changing due to our protections. Right. Yeah, he makes a completely valid point in the fact that, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it happen. The Equal Rights Amendment has been stalled out in Congress for decades. And it's because you can't because you can't get over that very small, you know, hurdle there. What is I think now it's it's just one state can needs to ratify it. Yeah. And then not only that, but like. The Senate was never meant to run off a 60, 40 majority vote. It was supposed to be a simple majority. Right. Somewhere along the lines, they decided to go to that. Uh, six tenths system. Well, there's more power if you make it harder. Oh yeah, I mean, and, and it's, it's essentially it's essentially. I mean, it's interesting because he, to me, this section kind of reads that he's arguing against. You know the the equal representation of states I here, and it. he's going more over like it should be based off the population. So. It did seem a little in conflict with what a lot of anti-federalist sentiment usually is. I read it more as he said he's thinking a simple majority should be all that's needed to pass an amendment. Because with um, the rules in place, as he said at the time, within four states, six-tenths of the population could oppose the four smallest states right that means that in each of those states four tenths of the population actually agrees to the amendment but now that very small population prevents government from properly functioning i don't think i've ever heard an example in our current government where states that are smaller are preventing government from properly operating at all 
Ha-ha! Another valid point by him. Yeah. Yeah. Again, we are agreeing more with the Anti-Federalists than the Federalists. Um... Yes, so he says the government is or ought to be instituted for the common benefit, protection, and security of the people, nation, or community. Of all the various modes and forms of government, that is the best, which is capable of producing the greatest degree of happiness and safety and is the most effective, efficiently secured against the danger of maladministration and when any government shall be found inadequate or contrary to those purposes, a majority of the community hath an indelible, inalienable, and indefensible right to reform, alter, and abolish it in such a manner which shall be judged most conductively to the public wealth. Wheel? Wheel. I don't know what that means. Um, this, sir, is the language of democracy that the majority of the community have a right to alter government when found to be oppressive. But how different this genius of the new constitution from this. So, Aaron, let me ask you a question. What do you think the approval rating is of the U.S. Congress right now? Forty uh, percent. The occurring to the current Gallup poll, it is 27%. Ooh. I would not have won that round of the price is right. Way over 69%. One dollar, Drew. Disapprove. Would you say that government has? The majority of the people's backing. I, I don't even think it has the minority of the people's backing. Huh. But how hard it is to edit our government to make it represent the people. Yeah. Well, that's because my representative really cares about me and it's not his fault that government sucks. I mean, you know, my representative spent, you know, $20,000 of my own money to run commercials letting me know that he cares about me even though he refuses to take my calls or return in my emails or you know send me any letters that I write him back but three-fourths of people don't disagree so we can't change the government right well this quote gets to uh, what we were kind of talking about earlier um where he literally calls it out and says, we have heard that there is a great deal of bribery practiced in the House of Commons in England and that many of their members raised themselves to preference by selling the rights of the people. Huh. What, what, did, what didn't, didn't you bring up the fact that uh, we have congressmen that technically are earning $200,000 a year that somehow become millionaires after a couple terms? That quote gets a bit better because you skipped the other sentence. I did. But sir, the 10th part of that body cannot continue its oppression on the rest of the people. English liberty is in this case 
a firmer foundation than American liberty. You know that country we just split from? They actually have a firmer foundation on liberty than our constitution. Yeah, even though they're completely corrupt and uh, they take bribes, it's basically like they do it better. Yeah, you know, it's garbage, but they're doing it better than you're going to do it. You'll be back soon. You'll see. You'll remember you belong to me. I mean, he's not entirely wrong. No, because basically what he's saying is they're corrupt as all hell. They're taking bribes, but because they've been established for so long, at least part of it isn't going to let the other part, you know, oppress them through their greed. You know, their districts are fucked, but, you know, Congress as a whole is and he's basically saying what the way I interpreted it is he basically says whatever you put in place, like this system that you're trying to put in place, they're going to take bribes. They're going to be corrupt. But because the system hasn't been along round enough, you're going to fuck everybody over. Yep. I mean, I don't I don't see it. I don't see it happening at all. I don't. No, 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 no. not at all. No, no. our, our nope, nope, nope. are perfectly good. None of them have ever resigned nope. in disgrace. No nope. financial scandals, sexual scandal. Nope. Bribery. Nope. A, a president may have never paid his lawyer to pay off a porn star during an election like we're above board like a president has never stuck a cigar in one of his aides vaginas when you know because he didn't have sexual relations we're we're good we're good yeah a president you know never took uh you know advice of uh certain interest groups to make sure that they displaced an entire indigenous group off of a certain piece of land you know so you know multiple presidents have never flown on the plane of a sexual predator no <laughs> that never would happen he just happens to have a lot of money and finance a bunch of campaigns so it's above board yeah i mean it's not like there's one uh you know billionaire former nazi going around funding public elections to sway public policy i mean that would never happen it's not like there's like two or three big billionaires that not only potentially control most of the way we converse or get our products today they also want to be accepted into the united nations and considered governments at this point like i would just like to uh state for our three listeners um that jake and i are very happy we live very happy lives have no uh history of serious depression and have no desire to end our lives and uh um we are both getting tattoos that say swacked or whatever uh what's his name had on it and uh if uh if if we are found uh precariously hanging from a doorknob um we did not do it i would just like to say we do not have the listenership for any of these people <laughs> we've kind of referenced to come after the two watch this is the episode that goes viral <laughs> Oh, all right. Just had to make sure that your dad only listens to it once and doesn't share it with anybody. And then we should be, <laughs> keep our viewership very low. 
If we admit that this consolidation of government, it will be because we are great. We like a great splendid one. Some way or another, we must be a great and mighty empire. We must have an army and a navy and a number of things. When the American spirit was in its youth, the language of America was different. Liberty, sir, that was the primary object. We are descended from people whose government was founded on liberty. Our glorious forefathers of Great Britain made their liberty the foundation of everything. That country is become a great, mighty, and splendid nation. Not because the government is strong and energetic, but, sir, because liberty is a direct end and foundation. I don't know, like, weren't we told that the UK was, like, super corrupt and that's why we split off from it? Yeah. He gets into very, like, praisey of... uh... Yeah, he really liked of England. It. He really liked it. Yeah, our glorious far forefathers of Great Britain. <sighs> Little. Also, remember though, neither of us are English historians and are coming at this with an American education, which is taught a very England bad Stamp Act, Tea Party, War independence war of 1812 somehow our biggest trading partner by like 1815 england bad well we won jake we won yeah history so written by the winners yeah 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 you know yeah we went to war over something mainly not because of taxes just because of self-governance and you know most Americans just want to be left alone until you tell them that, uh, nope, we're going to take away your right to do things on your own. And then we get a little pissy. I, I like this one. When then tell us of Dean, why then tell us of danger to terrify us into adoption of this new form of government? And yet who knows the dangers of this new system will, excuse me, will produce. They are out of sight of the common people. They cannot foresee latent consequences. I dread the operation of it on meddling and middling and lower class people. It is for them I fear the adoption of the system. I fear I tire the patience of the committee, but I beg you to indulge with a few more observations. So he hit the nail on the head and he could not have been more right. we're, We're in danger, man. Give up your rights danger 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 yeah what that's the government's mo that's literally all they do i mean yes that's how the federalist papers that we have read read you should be afraid just give up a little bit of your rights we'll protect you and it, and because the federalists won that's literally all government has been for the last 200 years everything the government has done has been you should be afraid you can't handle it yourself. We will take care of you. You you cannot protect yourself because a terrorist attack happened in New York City. So just take off your shoes and let us look at your underwear through this uh, giant x-ray machine just so you can feel safer. Jake, you are not capable of taking care of your personal health. So just lock yourself in your home for two months. We'll figure it out. We'll let you know when it's safe to go outside and breathe fresh air. Don't think about it. Daddy government's here. Bend over for your booster. 
you want to know um, one of the greatest movies I've seen in the past year about the raise of a dictatorship? What? My Little Pony, The Next Generation. <laughs> you laugh. Do tell. Do tell. But it is on Netflix, and it is one of the greatest movies about this. All right. So I have a five-year-old. I've watched this movie multiple times now. For people who know me, I got super into watching My Little Pony with my daughter because it was actually an interesting cartoon. It wasn't bad. So the movie movie comes out, we watch it. It Takes place like 10,000 years after the previous series. There's three pony types, Earth ponies, Pegasus, and unicorns. They're no longer friends. They all live in their own little cities. They don't communicate with each other. One of the earth ponies is like, hey, we can be friends again. Like, there's nothing scary about them. There's a whole business built on the earth pony city about defending yourself against pony attacks. They sell you crazy things like tennis balls to put on a unicorn's horn so it can't brainwash you and take you over. Stupid things like that. Find out a unicorn winds up in the city. The sheriff deputy, when the sheriff leaves town, sings a whole song about how dangerous it is, raises himself to town sheriff, and by the end of the movie, raises himself to emperor of the town to protect them and actually steals the protection business to build weapons of war to keep the citizens protected. This is a children's show about ponies? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. Children's show about ponies. I I feel like this particular movie was written for the bronies not for the kids my daughter loves it a lot more than i do but yeah children's show about ponies also interesting fact if you're a community fan that person who rises up to a dictator is ken jong the tracks that fits Yeah. yeah if you've watched community it's a fitting role for him it is it's perfect so it's gotta be hilarious yes Senior Ching. Yeah, children's movie about the rise of a dictator. Actually, that's like the C plot of the movie, but yes. Oh, and like also the um, Pegasus government, the queen is using magical like lighting techniques to make it seem like they can still fly to trick the citizens into believing that there's something important about the ruling class and when it's exposed that the pegasuses actually can't fly including the ruling class the pegasuses rise up against their queen children's movie children's movie children's movie mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> We're just brainwashing children at this point, right? Like, this is a government psyop type going on. I don't understand. Also, fun, fun little side note. Um, The majority of children's shows that aren't like based, you know, just off of like regular life never have a democracy. Think of think of like most children's shows that take place that are either based around animals or creatures that aren't just like 
you know, you know, cartoons of like humans living in America. They're not democracies. Lion King, Aladdin, almost every single princess movie, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Yeah, anyone that through. has a form of government is not a democracy. Yeah. And the almost every single other one that is set in like a somewhat regular society, as I would call it, as ours, um, is basically a communist society because people just get stuff and never pay for it. Yeah, so I'm trying to think of like a lot of the shows I'm thinking of don't actually tackle politics enough to decide what type of politics they have in it. But the ones that I can think of that tackle politics, either there's some sort of monarchy, Mm -hmm. the U S government's a bad guy in it, or they have no government at all. They're indoctrinating our kids. But I digress. Um, hey, um, they started pushing environmentalism on us in our TV shows. Well, yeah, but we knew that since Captain Planet. So, yeah, but it's like even in stuff not like Captain Planet. Well, of course, Jake, you have to recycle because even though the U.S. is only responsible for about one percent of the world's pollution we're responsible for all the world's pollution Even it has corporations china are developed china and india do not pollute at all they are perfect corporations don't pollute you as a person pollute correct it's your fault for not separating out your plastics amazon has okay. zero pollution zero you as a citizen through the roof you need to use a paper straw because India puts too many plastic straws into the rivers. Listen to in me the right oceans. Now. Listen to me right now. Fuck paper straws. First of all, the ones that don't fall apart have that waxy material in the Ugh. middle that gets into your drink. Second of all, if you ever need to do an emergency tracheotomy on someone <laughs> who can't breathe, you can't do that shit with a paper straw. I actually just just use a, a pen. Huge, I, I actually saw it as a huge argument for people who have um, seizures that the removal of plastic straws makes it harder because if you ever seize you and I'm not a doctor, I would not recommend you doing this to a friend who has a seizure. But if there is someone around who knows how to do it, they can use a plastic straw to get air into the lungs to prevent someone from a seizure from choking. I will just say this. And I feel like we've gotten way off topic. But if you're a restaurant, oh, that doesn't happen. No, never. We're very good at this. If you are a restaurant or a restaurant owner who feels the need to use paper straws, fuck you. Please, uh, please go away permanently in uh, Jake and I's new uh, pig farm. Because <laughs> um, pigs definitely don't eat an entire human in like. 10 minutes including your clothes hey hey don't talk about the boars no i mean it 
you've heard about the boar attacks, right? No. Oh, I'm going to send you on a conspiracy rabbit hole about boar attacks. Like I just Jayla like the fact that least, re- recently attacked by boars. They're appearing yeah. out of the ocean. Boars. Beaches. Boars. Feral pig boars. Oh, dude, they're attacking. We are not safe against the boars. I just like the fact that a that a 400 pound pot belly pig can eat a human in 10 minutes. And I feel like that is going to be my retirement plan to deal with people that annoy me. I just need a piece of property that's large enough that doesn't have any HOA restrictions that allows me to have a pot belly pig. And from what I learned at my uh, short stint at Lollipop Farm, there are a lot of pot belly pigs in the greater Rochester area because people are dumb and they believe in teacup pigs which is just a baby pot belly pig. And then after two years, when the thing has grown to be 300, 400 pounds and it knocks over your refrigerator and doesn't fit in a teacup anymore, Instagram isn't happy. And these people just release them into the wild. And then Lollipop Farm gets another 300 pound pot belly pig. And then the Bull and Moose Tavern Farm, uh, that auditor goes missing. Shocking. Just wait until i send you down the boar rabbit hole we'll have to save that for a campfire chat yeah uh season three coming at you in march um that it might be a season three episode so all right do we do we have any bad uh commercials that we're supposed to do i realize we're pretty far into this do we need to plug someone no we we don't need to plug someone we are Perfect. commercial free um ruby gordon furniture go buy some furniture people better than the rest <laughs> freebie all right uh l- let's wrap this up with um three final quotes from him that i think put a nice little wrapping on this show me that age and country where the rights and liberties of the people were placed on the sole chance of their rulers being good men without a consequence to the loss of liberty This, sir, is my great objection to the Constitution, that there's no true responsibility and that the preservation of our liberty depends on the single chance of men being virtuous enough to make laws and to punish themselves. In the country from which we descended, they have real and not imaginary responsibilities for their maladministration has cost the heads of some of the most saucy geniuses that ever were. Just love that end. I love that. I I mean, it's true. Like, if a congressman's bad, other congressmen need to punish them? Right. And what, especially in our two-party system, causes you to think that they would do that um, because it would be seen as retaliation and then they would find a way to punish a congressman from the other side for something even though like one congressman could have killed someone and the other one could have like I don't know jaywalked they would find like the thing in it I mean it's the same we've had this conversation on this podcast before about Trump's second impeachment. I think that the second impeachment stands on valid 
merits. But I have heard rumors of a certain group, and I don't know who's manning it. I don't think it's any of the big Congress people that want to do a third impeachment for something that happened like after he was out of office. No. Right. No. I mean, we had this conversation about the second impeachment yeah. that that while there might be valid points about it, he's already technically voted out and the merits of that are shaky at best. Yeah. I mean, I think we have our disagreements on that, but at least I can see your opinion and you can see mine on that one. I feel like a third right. impeachment. I see no valid merits on that, but yet we leave it, you know, we've, we made the president above the law in ways right. and then made Congress, you know, their own arbiters of judgment. And we need to believe they're virtuous enough to judge themselves. And then we protected the Supreme Court by giving them lifetime appointments and only an impeachment to remove them. We, we gave no way for us to really hold our representatives in any of the three branches truly accountable for crimes committed unless we, in the case of the House, reach the election every two years, in the case of the Senate, reach the election every six years, in the case of the President, reach the election every four years, and in the case of the Supreme Court, we never can truly hold our represent our people who nine people who are supposed to represent the legal will of the entire constitution, which stands on shaky ground of protection in the first place. Right. Well, I understand with the Supreme court, because the whole point of the lifetime appointment is that if you no longer have to worry about politics, you are no longer bound by party lines and political beliefs, and you technically can't be swayed. But we but know that, that doesn't assume that they are all virtuous people. Correct. That none of them have male intent in their judgment. Right. And the problem, especially that we're seeing now with Biden, is the three branches were supposed to be equal. The president was never supposed to be more powerful than, you know, Congress or the Supreme Court. And maybe it's just because he's old or senile or has sniffed too many kids, but he truly believes that the president is the highest power in the land and should basically be a king. But again, you get one bad person, as he's basically saying, and the whole system starts to fall apart. I would argue that the government works as functioning based in the horrible logic of the Constitution that Patrick Henry pointed out to us. <laughs> it is functioning, maybe not as intended, but as allowed by the vagueness of the Constitution. Right. And basically, did that's Jefferson, everything he warned to get. Did Jefferson ever have the power to make the Louisiana Purchase? Probably not. Probably not. But it was vague enough. It was vague enough. Did he have the power to just change how presidents and vice presidents were elected? I don't think so. And that's the supreme yet, executive power. But yet 
the Constitution was written not for the protection or not for the protection of liberty, but for the protection of the people and the creation of an empire. And it has achieved the goal of creating the American empire. That it has. The Constitution has served the purpose that Patrick Henry saw it would serve. I will say from reading the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist papers, the few that we've read so far, um, the federal government has become everything that the Anti-Federalist feared and has done exactly what the uh, Federalists claimed it would do in shady language. Basically, with the Federalists saying, you know, things like, you just got to give up a little bit of your liberty for freedom. Just a little bit. We'll help you out. What did Reagan say? The scariest thing you can ever hear is uh, I'm from the government. I'm here to help. Yeah. No. Fuck off. Go away. It's where we stand. Yet he used the government for his own purposes. Well, shh. I'm just saying none of them are good. No, None no, because them. because it's been corrupt since the beginning. None of them are good. Here's a thought. What if Washington didn't step down because he was all altruistic and had served his country and wanted to walk away? He was around for all of this. What happens if. Because of because the Federalists went out, he saw the system that was in front of him and went, nope, don't want to be a part of this. I mean, his fair, I mean, one of these, you know, we're eventually, I don't know, we're we're going to talk about his farewell speech at some point. Yeah. He basically warns in his farewell speech everything that the Federalists talked about. It basically vaguely set up and hinted at. I think after his eight years, he saw the Anti-Federalist had merits to stand on. Yeah. I think he did, saw it. In your research and stuff, did Washington ever take a stand one way or the other? Not so far that I've noticed. He was pretty neutral throughout his political career. But I don't I think feel he like, even went to like the Constitutional Convention, really. No, I feel like he would have just sat back and then taken the great honor of being president. And then... I mean, I know he did some things to prevent he tried to do some things to prevent the president from becoming king, which is something Patrick Henry warned could have happened. Right. So I think he might have stood more on the side of the anti-federalist. But well, from what we've from what I'm we've been reading Washington, and I, as I've said a lot, I'm not a historian. I'm not a Washington historian. I, I don't know. But who cares? We have a podcast. We don't need to be well versed. We only have three listeners. It's OK. Share your opinions. Point out that though I'm not coming at this from a historical, like 
fully informed standpoint when we're having these open discussions. If you're a first time listener, um, I come from the standpoint of being fully informed historical oh, yes. context. Yes. I, I have a subscription to the Library of Congress. I, I know everything. Um, and if you're trusting some schmuck on a podcast with a very, very strong viewership, listenership, listenership, um, you, you are what's wrong with the country. There are people who listen to Joe Rogan for their news. So take that as a grain of salt. If you take your news from anybody, there's something wrong with you. Uh, with that, Aaron, it's been fun to be at the tavern again when we regroup next time it's another movie review i don't remember what movie we're covering next <laughs> so we should probably do escape from new york because it's coming off of hbo so let's do escape from new york escape from new york is up next um but it's been fun it's been a blast jake to our listeners stay safe drink responsibly and we'll see you next time at the tavern